Hello, and welcome to Reality Bites episode. Now with a slower host. For the week of March 24th, 2015, this is a Kier Studios production. We are your hosts, Slothan. Rovaxen. And Lord Law, bringing you calmly into the fold of the unenlightened. If you wish to, if you like to, if you would wish to like to sponsor this or any other show made at Kier Studios, you can click on the donation button found on the top of the Kier Studios page. Also, thank you for sponsoring our show. And now for everyone's favorite section of the show, a bit of banter between the hosts. Ask each person what they've done and what has happened to them. You Now you're just m- mocking me because I deleted that section. Yep, of course. So tell us. What have you been doing and have been done to you? Have uh, by other things. Ah! Talky hard. Who are you talking to? You. Me? Well, I suppose I am the only one in the room room. <coughs> but we do have a cough. Um, what Sorry. have I been up to? I don't know. What have I been up to? Working hard. Not hardly working, because I am working hard. Uh, it's going to be a very long week, going to be six days in a row with a topper of a 10-hour day at the very end. I'm not looking forward to it. Other than that, uh, I did watch a movie yesterday. It was a Robin Williams movie. I think it's called The White or Into the White or something like that. It's pretty good. Uh, he's married to a crazy lady trying to collect uh, uh, life insurance on his brother who's been missing for five years, and things get crazy after that point. I enjoyed it. I was also drinking, so maybe that had something to do with it. Other than that, um... Oh, I did watch a movie with Detective Number 9 on Sunday called The Voices with Ryan Reynolds, where you have yourself a Scottish cat and a very, very happy, happy dog telling you you're a good boy the whole time. Apparently I can't do a evil-sounding Scottish kitty. But, uh, yeah, there are voices in his head telling him to do bad things, and people wind up dead. It's, uh... It's a very, very dark uh, comedy, if you're into that sort of thing. So, again, enjoyed that, too. I think that's really all I've done. So, what have you been up to, Rofaxon? Um, My throat hurt this morning. That's that not fun. Let's see. I've been playing a little bit of Magicka. I think I might be doing a YouTube of that eventually, but it'll be a while before it comes out. And I played my... My friend Skyrim Mod, I did that. Uh, did a little agrarian skies with Slothan. So next week we're back to the regular release schedule. Last week I released a Skyrim Mod video instead of the agrarian skies series. So next week we'll be back to the regular release. Um, what else have I been doing? Oh, I've been reading a new book that I actually like so far. It might be horrible. I'm not very far into it. Just a couple page. But it's called Gardens of the Moon by Steven Erickson. So that's been, that's been kind of, that's been a good book. I've been enjoying that. Of course, I've been working and I've been working on my game a bunch. I, I actually finished, in case anybody doesn't know, I'm making an RPG with, um, RPG Maker, so there's not really any coding involved, but you get to write the story and draw the maps and stuff, so that's kind of neat. And I finished the story part of it, finally, and now I'm working on the maps part of it, and once that comes out, you know, I'll let everybody know. I'll probably be 
free to play. Not stupid free to play where I try to sell you crap because you play, but like real free to play where you can just download it and play it. But yeah, when we get closer to that, I'll let everybody know. I plan to release it on um, Google Drive. Unless I can't, then nobody gets to play it, and I'm sorry. Okay, well, Slothin, yeah, that's it. you're here. What have you been up to? I did things. I, uh, I was in the wrong state last week for the show, so I didn't do it. <clears throat> um, okay. I've played some more Minecraft, um, watched some more Voyager. So, should we have, like, another 20-minute conversation about Star Trek? I don't know, I haven't watched yeah, as many Yeah, because I was watching episodes. the original series. And I've been watching the TNG recut, or remade version on YouTube, which, uh, is the reason why I watch The Voices, because apparently Spa is an evil Scottish kitty trying to make everyone kill each other. It was great! <coughs> So, I don't know. Um, I really, really enjoy the T TNG recuts. Uh, it's made by Major Grin or Admiral Grin. That's his YouTube account. Something like that. G-R-I-N. You should be able to find it. Uh, watch it from the very beginning, and you will see how evil Captain Picard really, really is. <laughs> I've been sad. Why is Minecraft making you sad? Because I started playing the, uh, I'm on the Resonant Rise thing, those, and I have all the Thaumcraft things that they have available for it installed, but they don't have <clears throat> advanced Thaumaturgy installed. So I went and hunted that down because I like modifying nodes, and... but I tried to install it and it didn't work. It made it crash. Uh, so now I don't get horrible. to modify nodes. And Slothin, just so you know, you, those little noises that you make at the end of sentences that are kind of quieter than a speaking voice, yeah, they're not coming through. So you have to forcefully force out words into the microphone so you actually can be heard the whole time. That was our problem last week. Or last time you were on the show. Okay. So just keep that in mind when we do a show or when we start reading news stories. Well, I suppose we should go ahead and do that since everyone is oh, down. Oh, wait, wait. Yes, sir. Wait, one more thing. Yes. I also started, um, I bought some e-liquid called Fire Cider, just in case anybody vapes. It's actually really good. I like it a lot. And I purchased you something. You may continue. Is, is that from Mount Baker? Yes. Yeah, because I had it last time and it, I was not as fond of it. Well, see. Oh, really? Oh, I thought it's great. I Cut it with Cinetoast Munch. I had gotten... Neither of those were quite as good as I expected them to be, but combined, they were pretty damn good. The Cinetoast was too sweet and not bitey enough, and to me, the fire cider just... The Red Hot's flavor overpowered the apple. It didn't taste like a cider. Uh, it is, it is more the cinnamon flavor with a hint of apple rather than the other way around. I happen to like that, but I, it's fair criticism. And I think the last time we were on the show, I may have mentioned I, I had purchased Blue Drake from uh, Mount Baker Vapor. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. And uh, I like the flavor just fine. Like I said, it's a little bit like hot sauce. Uh, if you want to try it, Sloth, and you can try it. But uh, I will warn you now, it blackens your uh, cotton or your wicks almost immediately. 
weird because it's a very clear liquid. It is a very clear liquid, and I don't know why it blackens so immediately. (sighs) So perhaps a little soapy tasting. Ah, could be a little soapy. I love soap. (laughs) I like soap. I just don't like uh, my mouth. There are a lot of things that are pretty cool, but I don't want them in my mouth. My penis is awesome. Uh, no? Probably <laughs> uh, not. I knew that joke was coming. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I expected something like that. Yeah, I saw a post somewhere right. that, that uh, someone wanted semen-flavored e-liquid. I'm uh, like, why? Why would you want that? People are crazy. <sighs> While you're making things like that, you could make a seawater one, too. Mmm, tastes like fish? <sighs> well, I've just always heard salty, so... What's... Similarly, like that, that they could. I don't know. I don't know. Ooh, seasoned salt as well. Um, I've heard it's a little bit like uh, snot now and again. uh, You want snot flavored? No. I produce enough mucus on my own. Anyway, enough about semen flavored. I produce lots of mucus. Why don't we go on to the first news story talking about the Big Bang? (laughs) Big Bang theory could be debunked by Large Hadron Collidal. Collidal? Collider. Scientists at CERN could prove the controversial theory of rainbow gravity, which suggests the universe stretches back in time infinitely with no Big Bang. Also, that gravity is gay. Gay! <laughs> Not in, like, an <laughs> insulting thing. It's rainbow. I don't know why those two things are associated with you. I've always thought of gravity as sort of a black thing, and a multicolorful thing. I I, I, I perceive it new, but that's not even a sane re- com- like. Th- it makes no sense. Why would gravity be black? It's a it's a force. It doesn't have color. You can't exactly. Uh, I was going to say there there is no spectral analysis for gravity. Yeah. Whatever you guys just aren't looking at it right. Oh okay. <laughs> I don't even know if that works for synesthesia, unless the feeling of gravity is black. <clears throat> Go on. Anyway, the detection of miniature black holes by the Large Hadron Collider could prove the existence of parallel universes and show that the Big Bang did not happen. Scientists believe. Oh, are they faith-based now? Oh, I'm sorry. The particle accelerator, which will be restarted this week, has already found the Higgs boson, the god particle, which is thought to give mass to other particles. Now scientists at CERN in Switzerland believe they might find miniature black holes, which would reveal the existence of a parallel universe. And if the holes are found at a certain energy, it could prove the controversial theory of rainbow gravity, which suggests that the universe stretches back into time infinitely with no singular point where it started, and no Big Bang. Theory was postulated to reconcile Einstein's theory of general relativity, which deals with very large objects, and quantum mechanics, which looks at the tiniest building blocks of the universe. It takes its name from a suggestion that gravity's effect on the cosmos is felt differently by varying wavelengths of light. The huge amounts of energy needed to make rainbow gravity would mean that the early universe was very different. One result would be that if you retrace time backwards, the universe gets denser, approaching an infinite density but never quite reaching it. The effect of rainbow gravity is small for objects like the Earth, but it is significant and measurable for black holes. It could be detectable by the Large Hadron Collider if it picks up or creates black holes within the accelerator. We have calculated the energy at which we expect to detect these mini black holes in gravity's rainbow, a new theory. If we do detect mini black holes at this energy, we will know that both gravity's rainbow and extra dimensions are correct. 
Dr. Mir Faisal told Viz.org. second run of the LHC will begin this week, and the beams are expected to go full circle on Witness Day for the first time since the 27-kilometer accelerator was shut down in early 2013 for an upgrade. When it is fired up, it will smash protons together at nearly double the energy that was used to find the Higgs boson. Rolf Hoyer, the general director of CERN, said the switch-on would create a new era for physics, which would also shed light on dark matter, dark energy, and supersymmetry. I want to see the first light in the dark universe. If that happens, then nature is kind to me. Scientists believe they could find the first proof of alternate realities that exist outside our own universe. It is even possible that gravity from our own universe may leak into this parallel universe. Scientists at the L.A. Say, just as many parallel sheets of paper, which are two-dimensional objects, breadth and length, can exist in a third dimension height, parallel universes can also exist in higher dimensions. We predict that gravity can leak into extra dimensions, and if it does, then miniature black holes can be produced at the LHC. Normally, when people think of the multiverse, they think of many worlds in of the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, where every possibility is actualized. This cannot be tested, and so is philosophy and not science. This is not what we mean by parallel universes. What we mean is real universes in extra dimensions. As gravity can flow out of our universe into the extra dimensions, such as a model can be tested by the detection of many black holes at the LHC. The Large Hadron Collider has undergone important upgrades and repairs over the past two years since the first shutdown. The Particle Collider boasts new magnets, superior cryogenics, higher voltage, and higher energy beams that will allow the machine to run and nearly double the collision energy of the first run. The first circulating beams of protons in the LHC are planned for the week beginning 23rd of March, and by late May to early June, the LHC aims to be running at 13 T. Francis Saunders, the president of the IOP, said this has been a massive effort by all the scientists and engineers at CERN to upgrade the LHC and its detectors and get it ready to operate at almost double the collision energy run. Uh, now we're just talking about crap. <laughs> oh, as well as allowing greater study of the Higgs boson, there is much anticipated anticipation amongst the physics community as to what else might be found at these higher energies, testing our theories and understanding of concepts such as supersymmetry and potentially giving greater insight into the 95% of the universe that is composed of dark matter energy. Well, I find that strange. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I do want to enlighten some people to... Uh, something I learned about light recently. I know it's not necessarily uh, pertinent to the subject, but for whatever reason, it popped into my mind. So, a l when you start traveling faster and faster towards the speed of light, you experience time slower. Uh, so, you would mm -hmm. be... If there, if there were two twins, the one on Earth would age ra more rapidly or in regular time than a person or their twin who was sent away from Earth at a fraction of the speed of light or close to the speed of light. Now, light particles, photons, they experience zero time as they travel from their creation to wherever their destination is because they are speeding at the speed of light because they are light. So, they're creation and destination is in the same instant to them, which I found very interesting. I don't know. Hmm. Just kind of a weird thought thing to think of. 
What do you mean you don't know how you feel about the story? Does it offend you? I, I don't I, understand that comment. I, it just doesn't make belief. Is it a personal assault when you, on when your you, belief when system? You put, when you put the word believe in things, I mean... That's a writing thing. I know it's a writing thing. I mean, we, we have that, a proposed that theory. That is a writing thing. We have a proposed theory. theory, which no one is saying is true, but hypothesis. they say that they can test it. Well, yes, hypothesis. But I think that's what's exciting about this. Something as fundamental as the Big Bang being wrong is a pretty big deal. And, you know, that's what that's what they're testing. See, that brings up a question okay. to me, then. Is, like, yeah. there no end to the universe, then? Does it, it, it go on forever? Is it not this bubble we thought it might be? Uh, well, it, it might not be. I know. It's it's just an interesting thought. Because my personal uh, view of the universe is just that it's infinite and it would k keep spreading out just because it just makes kind of yeah. sense to me in that way. But the bubble universe theory was always kind of crazy to me. And that is something that the Big Bang Theory would say is what it is. Or at least part of it would. Right. So, I don't know. I One hand, I'm like, okay. New, interesting, kind of uh, coincides with my personal view of the universe. But then again, hey, new information, I'm always willing to change. So that's my opinion of that. that that'd be why I I'm say anything. I'm curious to see what comes of it. All right. Well, sir, it's time for you to read the next news story, Rofaxon. Leak in Mars rover Curiosity's wet chemistry test finds organics. Uh, an unexpected leak of a chemical designed to oops, tag complex organic molecules and samples collected by NASA's Mars rover Curiosity appears to have serendipitously done its job, scientists reported on Tuesday, March 17th. Curiosity's onboard laboratory includes seven so-called wet chemistry experiments designed to preserve and identify suspect carbon-containing components and samples drilled out from the rocks. None of the foil-capped metal cups has been punctured yet, but vapors of the fluid, known as N-methyl-N-tert-butyl-dimethyl-silicon-N-methyl-N-tert-butyl-dimethyl-silicon-N-methyl-N-tert-butyl-dimethyl-silicon-N-methyl-N-tert-butyl-dimethyl-silicon-
we turned this sort of bad thing into a good thing because we've learned how to work around the, this leak. We've actually used his vapor from the leak to carry out derivation, he said, referring to the technique to tag organics. Samples drilled out from Yellowknife Bay were stored inside the sample analysis at Mars or SAM instruments as the rover made its way over the next two years to Mount Sharp, a three-mile high mound of sediment rising from the floor of the Gale Crater. These samples were just reacting with the MTBSTFA vapor, reacting with all vapor. that or... The Mufasa oh, vapor? Yep, the Mufasa vapor. Just call it Mufasa okay. vapor. Okay. These samples were just reacting with the Musafa vapor, reacting with all that good organic stuff. That turned out to be a good thing, Glavin said. Scientists figured out how to extract the enriched vapor, collect it, and analyze it in a way that preserves the organics. In addition to analyzing the doggy bagged samples that had been reacting with the Musafa vapor for two years, scientists were also able to compare the results with residue from a sample that had been heated twice effectively killing off any volatiles but which had but which also had been exposed to the vapor for two years initial results show indigenous mars complex organics in the fresh sample though more work is needed to definitely peg the compounds well it's probably you, going to be years hmm? i was going to say if you're going to peg compounds you need the right strap on don't you Oh, it's probably going to be years of work trying to disentangle this story, said Galvin. This is really exciting stuff. We've got a mudstone on Mars and a habitable environment. There, were, there was a large lake at one point. We've got organic molecules, possibly some interesting ones, of astrobiological interest. Bottom line, this sample has an even more diverse set of organic compounds than we previously thought. Million dollar question, is this biological or not? I wish I had an answer. I can't tell you. We've got basically a few compounds that we're dealing with here. You probably need a lot more before you can start discriminating between biological and non-biological origin, uh, Glavin said. Glavin added. Anyway, that's, uh, that's neat. Not life, just to make sure everyone's clear. We haven't found life on Mars, but we, we seem to be a step closer at least so i think that's neat well we don't know if there was biological life or not based upon this no this, this means maybe this means it's it's definitely possible whereas before i feel like we didn't even know if it was a possibility there's still going to be a lot of work and a lot of time before we know if there was ever life on mars definitely one way or the other um, we're not there yet, but we keep getting closer, and it seems like every time we look at something, you know, first we ask, could have water been there, and it turns out the answer is yes, then we're like, were those other compounds there, like oxygen and those things they mentioned, and it turns out the compound, the answer is yes, and it's like, were there organic molecules there, and now it turns out the answer is yes, so it's fun to follow this story. All right. The next news story is brought to you by Rofaxon. Thank you. I'm trying to decipher why, but why not? Let's go ahead and read it. Okay. Scientists say people are terrible at remembering what the Apple logo looks like. Why is this important? Oh, oh you, you don't. You, that's all. That's all. That's all I wanted mentioned, actually. That's weird. I mean, with all the Apple fanboys out there, you'd think they could remember their logo. I just thought it was weird. Well, I remember what the Apple logo looks like. And, I mean, 
if you scroll down, you see all the different uh, sketches and drawings some people did. One of them is clearly a pomegranate. Another one is clearly a a, a pumpkin. It looks like a That's pumpkin. That's the pomegranate. Is it? Okay. Yeah, that kind of looks like a pomegranate. This is not the Apple logo. This is something else, and that is a heart. <laughs> a very malformed heart, it's but just, it's still a heart. I think that could be a stomach, actually. Maybe a stomach. A little malformed, but... Weird. Why would you not remember that? It's iconic. Well, it is, but like, if you sat down and you weren't looking at this article, could you sketch out the Apple logo? I'm not looking at that article, and I bet I could. Here, I'll I'll try it. <laughs> what are we going to post this on? Whatever. Nothing. Nothing. All right then. Yeah, well, I don't, don't want to post it somewhere. Fine, I'll move on. This is another one brought to you by Rofax, and what do you got to you say can about read it this? Okay. okay. Yeah. This liquid metal motor moves under its own power. That is actually legitimately neat. Totally make that bigger. No, you're going to have to strain your eyes. <laughs> In Terminator 2, T-1000 was that science fiction dream come nightmare, a shape-shifting <laughs> robot made from liquid metal. Now scientists have actually developed a self-powered liquid metal motor. It isn't anything fancy, as New Scientist reports, just a small drop of metal alloy whose constituents are gallium, which is liquid uh, above 30 degrees Celsius. <laughs> it was below, they said it originally. They, they X that out because yes. they were ah, idiots, apparently. I got apparently. it right. Indium and tin dropped into an appropriate liquid, in these examples sodium hydroxide, but salt water works too, with a scrap of aluminum for fuel. It will run under its own steam for around an hour. The, motor, the motor's motion comes from two sources. First, those two liquids cause it to experience a charge imbalance, which creates a small pressure difference between the two of its sides. That in turn pushes in the direction of high to low pressure. Secondly, the aluminum reacts with the surrounding liquid to form hydrogen bubbles, which, combined with the pressure forces, serve to push it forward faster. The researchers that created the device have shown that it can easily move along a constrained path, be it in a straight line, curved maze, or the edge of a petri dish. Forced to sit still, its motion allows it to act like a pump, which can move 50 milliliters of liquid per second. Might not quite be as complex as T-1000 yet, but the researchers hope to use electrical fields to create a swarm of independent drops that can work together. Less like Hollywood, then, but equally as exciting. Well, I mean, we might have a new source of power or micro-power for this sort of thing. Yeah. But, uh, I, interesting I nonetheless. what would the applications of an all-liquid motor be that, like, a solid motor couldn't do? Is there something that you would need the fluidity and, well, the fluidity of a liquid motor to push? Well, if you I, wanted I to know, go through jail anything. bars... Well, yeah, that that would be one example. I thought it was neat, and I wonder if we'll come up with ideas where the liquid motor really legitimately makes more sense than, like, the old-fashioned moving part motor. Ah, I don't know. thought it was neat. I don't know. Uh, more complicated doesn't always mean better, but uh, we shall see in the future. No. All right, Rofaxon, it's your story. New smoking gun further ties NSA to omnipotent equation group hackers. Omnipotent. Uh, let's see. 
No, I prefer omnipotent. Thank omnipotent. you. Uh, researchers in Moscow-based Kaspersky Lab have uncovered more evidence tying the U.S. National Security Agency to a nearly omnipotent group Ugh. of hackers who operated undetected for at least 14 years. The Kaspersky researchers once Kaspersky. again stopped short. Kaspersky, thank you. Researchers once again stopped short of saying the hacking collective they dubbed Equation Group was the handiwork of the NSA, saying only that the operation had to have been sponsored by a nation state with nearly unlimited resources to get dedicate to the project. Still, they heaped new findings on top of a mountain of existing evidence that already strongly implicated the spy agency. The strongest new tie to the NSA was to string Baxnarf AB25, discovered only a few days ago, embedded in a newly found sample of the Equation Group espionage platform dubbed Equation Drug. Baxnarf, according to, the to page 19 of this undated NSA presentation, was the name of a project tied to the NSA's tailored access operation. Baxnarf joins a host of other programming artifacts that tied Equation Group malware to the NSA. They include Grok, Stratacid, and Straight, straight Shooter. Straight I, Acid. Oh, God. I kind of almost wish Slothin was reading this because he would probably say Snarf in a more interesting way. I probably Snarf. would. Snarf! Well, not all of us watch Thundercats. I, I did, but I'm just saying, not all of us did. Um, just as jewel thieves take pains to prevent their fingerprints being, from being found at the crime scene, malware developers endeavor to scrub username, computer, ideas, and computer IDs, and other text clues from the code they produce. While the pre presence of the Backsnarf artifact isn't conclusive proof it was part of the NSA project by that name, the chances that the two that they were two unrelated projects with nation state funding seems infinitesimally small. Uh, the code words included in a report Kaspersky published Wednesday detailing new technical details uncovered about Equation Group. Among other new data included in the report, the timestamps stored inside the Equation Group malware showed that members overwhelmingly worked Monday through Friday, and almost never on Saturdays or Sundays. The hours and the timestamps appear to show members working regular work days and indicate they were part of an organized software development team. Assuming they worked a regular 8 to 5 workday, the timestamps show the employees were likely in the UTC 3 or UTC 4 time zone, a finding that would be consistent with people working in the eastern part of the U.S. The Kaspersky report discounted the possibility the timestamps time were initially manipulated, since the years listed in various executable files appear to match the availability of computer platforms the files ran on. Previously found evidence suggests a possible connection to the NSA included in the Equation Group's aptitude for conducting interdiction then in 2009 played highly, placed highly advanced malware on a CD-ROM sent to a prestigious researcher who attended a scientific conference. That interdiction was similar to an NSA-sponsored one detailed in documents leaked by former NSA subcontractor Edward Snowden 
that installed covert implant firmware on Cisco system routers as it were being shipped to its unwitting customers. Still other ties include zero-day vulnerabilities shared between Equation Group's malware and the NSA-led Stuxnet worm that sabotaged Iranian uranium enrichment efforts in 2009 or so. The countries that were and were not targeted are also consistent with the Equation Group being a U.S.-sponsored project. Most of the new details included in Tuesday's report will be of interest only to hardcore researchers. Still, they only bolster previous findings that Equation Group was handed down the world's most advanced hacking operation ever to come to light, whereas before the sprawling equation drug platform was known to support 35 different modules, Kaspersky has recently unearthed evidence there are 115 separate plugins. The architecture resembles a mini operating system with kernel and user mode components. Readers can expect more revelations to come as researchers continue to analyze new samples and further examine the malware that has already come to light. So, I mean, I don't know the technical stuff of any of this. It's not our area of expertise, but it seems this NSA spying is pretty widespread. I don't know. Maybe we already knew that, but I just I don't like it. Well, I mean, if you're going to do a spy agency, uh, this sort of stuff's going to happen. And you're going to wind up spying on everyone across the world and U.S. citizens and anyone else you can think of or reach. It's not yeah. not implausible, nor is it unimaginable that this has happened. So, I'm not surprised. I am upset, certainly, but not surprised. Alright, I guess I'll move on to the next news story then. Lawmaker resigns after Instagramming his suspicious spending. <laughs> One of GOP's <laughs> rising stars has resigned from Congress, in part because of his own Instagram posts have given rise to constant questions about his expenditures. Illinois' Representative Aaron Schock has or lived a lavish lifestyle while he was a government official, and he used to make sure the world knew that by posting snapshots of his escapades on his Instagram account. Little did he know that AP would extract location data from the photos of his frequent travels in order to link them to instances when he illegally used taxpayer money to rent private jets. For instance, the news agency determined that Shock rented a plane for his trip to the Capitol in 2013 because he posted a photo of his Shocktoberfest fundraising event when he got back to Peoria, Illinois. The dates lined up with the 11433 transportation amount he billed his office. It's not just Shock's own Instagram account that betrayed his actions to the public, though. One of his aides once posted on his IG that the lawmaker took him and the other interns to a sold-out Katy Perry concert. Political, or the politician billed those tickets against the GOP's Generation Y fund, a fund his office has donated $1.5 million to since he was elected in 2009. His Instagram shenanigans have recently led to even more probing by various outlets, including Politico, which looked into his mileage expenses. The publication discovered that Shocks billed his office more than twice the mileage he actually driven. Uh, speaking to Chicago Tribune, Senator Dick Durbin said these charges are, and allegations have raised important questions about Shocks' expenses expenditures of campaign funds and official funds. The senator also admitted that the Illinois representative's 
resignation suggests that many of the allegations had substance behind them. And we have a statement from Shock, but who cares? Basically, an idiot in office is spending taxpayer mm-hmm. money. Oh my God! Imagine that. That wow. never happens. <clears throat> well, that's true. Let me but, rephrase man, that. An idiot in office Instagramming about his misuse yeah. of taxpayer funding. Yeah. I'm sure, everybody else if is you're gonna doing steal- it. They're just not stupid enough to Instagram it. If you're going to steal taxpayer money and commit fraud, don't brag about it on Instagram. This guy's an idiot. Actually, well, I kind of wish other people would do it so they could get kicked out of office, too. because well, I'm sure they're doing it. an idiot. All right. Slothin. Who Instagrams it? Oh, God. Stupid people. Show us a new story, yeah. Slothin. Yahoo shows off password-free logins and new encrypted email technology. Yahoo! Passwords are terrible, they're inefficient, and they're often insecure, too. Many leading tech companies have embraced two-factor authentication as a more secure option, but they're optional and only those particularly concerned about their digital identities take the time to set them up. That's why Yahoo is taking a new approach called on-demand passwords. Like two-step authentication, you'll be sent a unique time-sensitive code through an app or text message to your phone when you want to log in. But there's the key step missing. You won't have to type in your primary password first. That's right, with on-demand passwords, you won't have a permanent password tied to your account. That's required every time you log in. Some might even call it one-step authentication. When you try to sign in, you'll see a, a send my password button instead of a traditional password text box if you enable the system. The new sign-on method is available now. I don't like this. This... Are you done reading? I don't know if you are. Sure, why not? This is the stupidest idea I've heard for a very long time. You're retards, Yahoo. Just admit you're behind everything and just copy what other people are doing because new ideas are not your strong point. Okay, I use two-factor authentication on some of my accounts. And, yeah, it's a little bit of a pain, but... You only have to authenticate with the second factor when you are, like, logging onto a new computer or whatever. And it's annoying when you do it, but it's nice you have security or whatever. There is no conceivable situation where getting a text message or an email to another account or a phone call or however you set up your two-factor authentication, there is no conceivable message when that would be easier than typing in a password. It's not supposed to be easier. No, no, but why are they taking the password part out? That doesn't make sense. This isn't more secure. I mean, I don't know. There's there's some problems with these, like, one-time passwords as far as security go. And I don't see that it's going to be more... It's not going to be more convenient, so no one's going to do it. Well, I mean, all you would have to do is steal, steal the phone, really. Well, to yeah, be able to get yeah, into so anyone's account, but then well, again, that's kind of sort of the thing now. Because if you if you're running everything on apps and you're saving passwords on your phone anyway, that's all you really need anyway. So I mean, yes, it's not making it any more secure. If I lost my phone, I could go to my computer and go to all of the things that I use—Google or Facebook and Twitter and all of that—and deauthorize everything that was set to automatically log in. You you can do that. And the thing is, 
with two-factor authentication, if someone steals your phone, they still can't get into your account once you do that because they could get the authentication code, but they could not then put the password in. But the thing is, people who are not security-minded aren't going to do this because it is easier to type in a password, then click a button, wait for some random code to come up, and then type it in. And people who are interested in security are going to want two-factor because one-factor authentication just isn't really all that secure. This is stupid. It's never, ever going to catch on because it's way harder than using passwords. I mean, uh, no, this is stupid. This is just stupid. It's way harder than using passwords. People are annoyed by passwords. They will not accept anything that's more cumbersome than a password. So this will never work. All right. And it's stupid. So, Rofaxon, as you're in a ranting and raving mood, why don't you go ahead and read the next news story? Uh, Microsoft is developing software that converts Android phones to Windows 10. And this is an exciting story, because how many times have you said, Man, I've got this dumb Android. I sure wish it was a Windows phone. Okay, Microsoft dropped an interesting piece of information today amid its confirmation that Windows 10 will go on sale this summer. <coughs> Near the end of its announcement, the Redmond-based company casually revealed that it is testing Windows 10 with power users of Xiaomi's flagship MI4 Android smartphone. The initiative, which Xiaomi stressed is not a partnership but merely assistance with the trial, is an interesting one because it again shows Microsoft's new platform agnostic approach. Neither Microsoft nor Xiaomi provided specific details of the Windows 10 software being trialed. But TechCrunch understands from sources that it effectively overrides Android, turning the Xiaomi phone into a Windows 10 device, complete with Microsoft services, which the company hopes will dazzle Android users into making the switch. That that's to say that software doesn't offer a dual boot option, which Microsoft has pushed in the past in India. This is a ROM based on Windows that operates much like the software from Cyanogen, a company Microsoft was incorrectly linked with an investment in, and other custom ROM developers by the like, uh, likes of Tencent and Baidu in China. The ROM is thus designed to go beyond Microsoft's Android apps and offer a native-like Windows experience on Android phones. It's a pretty powerful concept, and it is no surprise to see Microsoft testing in China, where consumers are more inclined to install ROMs. There's a greater spirit of customization in China, particularly for Android users, since third-party app stores are the norm, as Google Play is severely restricted there. Microsoft, of course, has big plans to make the software available on more devices in time. The company told the next web that full availability will be announced soon. Update full statement below, but it is starting out with Xiaomi almost certainly because it has a strong community of users who provide feedback on the company's weekly software updates. Xiaomi's receptive audience is ideal for such a pilot. A good idea, though it may be, Getting adoption for an Android ROM in China is no easy thing. Just ask Baidu, which recently shuttered its Android software efforts due to low interest. That's despite the company's vast reach and distri distribution potential as China's Google. As for Xiaomi, people are often quick to rush to the idea that it 
that it it that it is at odds with Google since it doesn't offer the U.S. company services on its Miu platform in China. Xiaomi's emphatic comment that it is involved in Windows 10 is not a partnership, coupled with Hugo Barra's recent explanation that it is not pushing its suite of services to users outside of China, suggests that this is not tactical. Xiaomi is just giving its users another ROM to tinker with. The news could be taken in a cynical way in the U.S., where what's good for the user is often convenient because it's good for the business too, but Xiaomi really has cultivated a sizable and trusted community, so we're inclined to believe its rhetoric on this occasion. Um, there's an update. Rhetoric. Didn't I say rhetoric? Rhetoric. Oh. Oh, whoops. Rhetoric. Thank you. Microsoft rewarded its original statement to keep things going. I don't think the update really matters. You can read it if you want to. Anyway, real. I guess maybe in China this would be useful. But what's Microsoft doing? I don't... I mean, they tried to push the Windows Phone, and that didn't work. That's just an utter failure. Now they're trying to push a Windows operating system that you can put on Android phones? The... Android users don't want a Windows phone. No one wants a Windows phone. So I don't understand what Microsoft is even looking to do here unless it's entirely focused on the market in China. I, I don't know what they're trying to do. Just look. Phones didn't work for you, Microsoft. Admit it and move on. All right. Moving on then to the last news story because what we have? We had... Uh... An Apple kind of story in here. We had a Yahoo story. We just had a uh, Microsoft story. Let's go to Microsoft Google. Microsoft story, yeah. Google exec wants self-driving cars to be standard within five years. Chris Ermson, the director of self-driving cars at Google, is committed to ensuring the driverless vehicle are standard within five years because he wants his 11-year-old son never to have to take a driver's test. Stupid that's reason. not a yeah that's a stupid reason anyway my team are committed to making sure that driver's test doesn't happen uh, ermson said tuesday at the ted 2015 conference in vancouver google began testing its driverless cars in 2009 and this past december the company revealed the first complete prototype of the automatic automated vehicle ermson elaborated on google's philosophy around the project during his speech on tuesdays according to the official ted blog explaining that throughout the history of motor vehicle, we've been working around the least reliable part of the car, the driver. Removing the capacity for human error could greatly reduce road accidents, Ermson said, in which 1.2 million people are killed globally every year. The urgency is so large, he said, we're looking forward to having this technology on the road. Uh, so let's keep our growing populace stable and keep growing and growing. Let's not kill off anyone. Sorry. I really don't think killing off the population is something that should be our goal. I think it is. Let's kill more people. Well, well. Yeah, but that's why we're America. Oh, okay. That's why we go to war, <laughs> kill more people? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. I, there's a lot of call for a driverless vehicle. I mean, we wouldn't necessarily have to own vehicles anymore. Uh, it would, but we still could. We still could if we wanted and, to, and we would be driven around. I and think I, the idea that you can't drive, 
yourself anymore? That's kind of a little over the top. I mean... It is, and I don't think we will ever get there. And I also think his comment about, oh, I don't want buddy little kid to have to take his driver's chest is obviously a little tongue-in-cheek. But the idea that people would have the ability to do driverless cars if they wanted to in five years, I think that's really exciting. I mean, they've still got a lot of work to do. They've made a lot of progress, too, but you've got weather conditions, which are going to be trekky. Rain and especially snow and slippery conditions, stuff like that. But if they could get it in five years to have a driverless car, that would be that would be amazing. I'd love it if my daughter could just get a driverless car and not have to take a driver's test. That would be great. And it wouldn't be weird like it is now in America, not in other countries. But in America, if you don't have your license, driver's license, that's kind of a weird thing. Um... But if she didn't have to, well, in big cities it might not be. Anyway, if she didn't have to go take that test and risk her life every time she drove to work or school or wherever she was going, that would be awesome. I love the idea of driverless cars, and I love the idea of not wasting your morning anymore. You know, you can really focus on something on your drive to work instead of, blah, 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 I'm wasting time driving to work. So much productivity would be opened up, and the yeah, but would you really? Would be I think reduced so much. I, I think I'd be napping. You know. Well, I might be, but that's productive. We did that article on why you need to sleep a few weeks ago. Sleep's important. Only for those that can. I, those that can't, well, fuck it. <laughs> well, it's still important. Well, I suppose They're we should wrap working up there. Out all right, killing all the news stories. It's time to move on. So now it's time for me to say, hey, where can we find you online? Slothin' as you play 2048. Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, Plus, like in descending order of likelihood. Um, but also highly likely at Rofaxon's, uh YouTube channel, where very recently we recorded three new episodes. And also he's reviewed your yes. Skyrim mod. That he has. They're not the most recent one. No, it was a couple weeks done. ago. Yeah. Uh, all right, Rofax, where can we find you online? Best place is at Rofax and on Twitter. I believe I'm on Facebook, but I'll never check the comments because it just clones my Twitter feed. But the best two places is the Google Play Store, where you can buy my beer judging app, and my YouTube channel, which is just Rofax and channel. And yes, I'm going to be releasing... The next Agrarian Skies video at around um, Saturday. And a friend of mine made a Skyrim mod, uh, Dungeon Quest. So I have reviewed that as well. And I've put up the first episode, so you should check it out. And the second ones will be coming up soon. And of course, Slothin's old mods have been reviewed on the channel as well. So I've got quite a few Skyrim mods building up in that playlist. So check them out. All right. And let's see here. We are... Looking at me now, I suppose. Um, where can I be found online? Well, I can be found as Lauren Law on Twitter and my anime list, but everywhere else I can be found as Here Studios. For example, on Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. It is now your turn to read things. 
Thank you for listening to today's show. We welcome you to visit our site at curiousstudios.galaxy15radio.com where you can click on the donate tab at the top of the page to give us boosts of moral support. Also, if you have any feedback or any news for the show, please send an email to curiousstudios at gmail.com. If you like our show, please subscribe, and just for fun, let your friends and family possibly know about us by giving them copies of our show, How Rofaxon. Um, what I would strongly suggest is you make a Skyrim mod, and the only thing this Skyrim mod does is change all the trees to a vertical stack of the Cure Studio URL. Then let me know you've made this mod, and I'll, re I'll uh, review it on my YouTube channel. I really want to see all the trees in Skyrim be the Cure Studio URL, because that'd kind It'd of be, be weird. You could probably do it, it with just so getting them. Yeah, you probably could. You should do that, Slothin. Uh... The opening song That's today a non-committal noise. Black Runners by Spleen, which can be found on Jumando.com. Today's closing song is To the Utmost by Soundstabs by Hawk Robinson, which yeah, can the be... The Hawk Robinson shouldn't be there, sorry. <laughs> okay, so it's To the Utmost by Soundstabs, which can be found at SoundCloud.com. We leave you now to remember... Everyone else is a sheep. You most certainly aren't, right? Eight three two three five two seven nine.